It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, it's so good to be here. It is really good to be here, but I've got a question for you. How did you wake up this morning? Who didn't wake up this morning? Who's still asleep? Who's ready to go back to sleep? Nope. See, the other day, it was about Thursday, I woke up in the morning and I was thinking, oh God, it's so good to be alive. I woke up, my bed was warm. I've got a beautiful house. It's an old house. So if it starts to look run down, that's original. So that's okay, right? It doesn't need repairs. It doesn't need upgrades because it's old. That's what makes it so good. I have a great wife and I'm thinking life is good. I've got great kids. I've got grandkids. Work. Oh, who wants to work where I work where you see lives changed every day? I mean, that's a great place to work, right? And financially, yeah, we're doing pretty good. And life is good. And I, and I could hear the birds. Who knows that the birds are going crazy at the moment. It's spring. I sit out, I've got a little press seat at the front of my house in Les Murdy on the veranda. And the birds, I took a video the other day because they were so loud. The birds singing. It was good. And I went, God, I'm so looking forward to my day. That was Thursday. Monday was totally different. Monday I woke up, true, and I thought, oh, I really don't want to, I don't, I, it's not good, eh? Like there's pressures at work, the finances aren't coming in and the finances are going out very quickly. Um, I've got a golf day coming up, anyone plays golf, here's a Please help me out. I've got to find 100 people to play golf or it's going to cost me $20,000 and that's a fundraiser for ATC. And I'm going, oh God, it's not happening. What have I done? I've got problems with staff. I've got problems with down on site. I've got problems at home. I've got, a, my wife told me the other day that something was crooked again and I went, oh my goodness. And life, I'm going, God, I don't want to get up this morning because... It ain't great. I just want to stay. I just want to get off the bus. Just where's the next bus stop? I'm out of here. I'm going. That's it. What was the difference of three days? Because I can tell you now, Thursdays, the problems are still the same. So what was the difference? And the difference is perspective. The difference is perspective. And I want to suggest to you today that God wants to change our perspective. You see, here's, I'm going to go back up to my notes because I actually just lost my train of thought there. Because anyone realise that the world is a pretty crazy place at the moment, right? That's our theme. The world spins madly. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at the world. I get up in the morning, I read the news on my phone because it 
always wants to tell me what's happening and there's either a flood or there's an earthquake or there's a war happening somewhere or there's a, something going on and the world just seems to get crazier and crazier. We've got a vote coming up and I've got people saying yes and I've got people saying no and I don't even know what I'm voting for and I walk dry around the streets and I've got all these faces in front of me saying, vote for me for mayor, vote for me for mayor. And I'm going, what am I doing? The world's crazy and information is on the increase like anything and so every day I go to work there's a new app or there's a new thing and I've got to remember my passwords and I can't remember my passwords and it's like the world's getting crazier and crazier and crazier. We don't know who we are anymore and I'm going, God, this world is spinning so fast. Help me get off. But I want to give you a statement today because yes, the world is going crazy and maybe your life is going crazy. But it all has to do with how you see it. Do I look at it through faith or do I look at it through fear? See, there's a saying that says, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. Change the way you look at something and the thing you're looking at will change. You see, at the back of my house, when we bought our house, the man who owned it beforehand used to own a company that built playgrounds, right? And he had this great big playground in the back of my house. It was awesome, but it had all these funny nuts on it that you couldn't get off. And so I thought to myself, I've got grandkids. I've got, let's build something fancy alongside it. So alongside the play centre, I built this fancy chicken coot and on top of the chicken coot is is a cubby house right and so you could go through there and see the chickens and go up into the cubby house and I thought it was pretty cool the only problem is no one played on it but it looked really good so after 10 years my wife said let's get rid of it so my neighbors came along the other weekend last weekend and they ripped this play center down my back garden now looks like a war zone and I'm going to build a nice little jarrah fence at the back. But Margie said, Steve, the cubby house is crooked. I said, no, it's not. The chicken panda, it's crooked. No, no, I lined it up with the play centre. But it's crooked. No, it's your perspective, honey. That fence is crooked. The house is crooked. That's straight. It all depends on how you look at it, right? I had to put a fence up that, that same day around our veggie patch because we have a problem with rabbits up in the hills. And, and so I've put this fence up and I just put pegs in the ground and put the rabbit-proof fence around my veggie patch. And Maggie said, Steve, the posts are crooked. I go, no, they're not. They're not. We, we fixed up the front door. And, and she said, Steve, the door's crooked. I said, no, no, just push it in a bit further. It's not. It's all to do with your perspective. Change the way I look at something. And you change the way it is. What if we could change the way we looked at things? You see, it's the whole donut or whole, right? It's the whole glass half full, glass half empty scenario. It's all, I have. do I have a problem or do I have a possibility? It's that changing of our thinking could change your world. And it's all to do with how you look at things. It always has to do with what you see. I had to go up and get my eyes tested. It's the yearly checkup, and I'm three years late, so I thought I better go. So I went up there, and I went to this little man who spoke English, but 
must have been a different English to me because I couldn't understand a word he said. And I walked into his little cupboard. It wasn't even a room. It was a cupboard. And he had this fancy chair there and I sat on his chair and he put this thing on my head that was a mixture of something from Mad Max and, and a set of glasses. And he's got them on my head and he's got all these little things in front of it. He says, what do you see? I said, I can't see anything. And he goes, hang on. Now what do you see? Fuzzy stuff. There's light there and I can see some. He says, hang on a minute. Now what do you see? Ah, oh, look, there's letters there, I think. Oh, hang on. And he kept changing the filters until I could see clearly. You know that you look at the world through a set of filters? You look at your world. You look at the situation you're in right now. You look at the situation of this world through your set of filters. Those filters could be your family of origin filters. This is how the world is. It could be a filter of, of low self-esteem. It could be a filter of depression. It could be a filter of failure. It could be a filter that's been put up. I went to church once, my experience, and it was really bad. And what I did was ask for money, and I did this, and I did that, so I'm not going to church anymore because churches are, boom, I've put a filter up. I've put a filter up about... Our, our government, I've put a filter up about. You look at the world through a set of filters that have been built up from your experiences, from your failures, from your hurts, from your pains, and they've all set a whole bunch of filters. So when you look at things, you look through a set of filters. You know, faith and fear are two filters. And you can choose to look at the world through the lens of faith or the lens of fear because fear and faith are practically the same thing. Did you know that? Fear and faith come from the same thing. Let me show you. Fear says, I've forgotten. Hang on. Because <laughs> he's going to put it up on the screen, so I better not change it. So, fear uh, says, I see this situation and I don't know what's going to happen. I see this situation here and I can't, don't know what's going to happen. That's fear. Faith says, I see this situation and I don't know what's going to happen. See, one says, oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's going to be bad, right? That's fear. Faith says, I don't know what's going to happen. It might be bad, but it could be good. See, fear and faith has to do with your perspective. Fear and faith has to do with your lens. Fear and faith has to do with what filters I've put up. And as we look at this story today, we're going to have a look at two people who had a two different lenses. One asked the question, what are we going to do? And the other one asked the question, what are we going to do? Just a different set of perspectives. Let's go to the story. You see, it's the back end of this story is this. There's two countries, Aram and Israel. Israel, all we all know about, God's special people. This is going right back in the times of Elisha. So we're going back a long, long time, right before Jesus, right back there in the Old Testament. And Israel, the king, is there 
and, uh, and there's Elisha, and then there's the king of Aram. The king of Aram wants to fight Israel because Israel is a pretty significant place. If we can overcome Israel, we will rule the world. So let's take Israel out. So he's got this plan. And he's, a, he's the king of Aram. He's set up his army, big army. Let's attack and we're going to go this way. But unfortunately, what he didn't expect was there was a prophet in town who's got a direct line. He's got an internet connection with God. And God says to this prophet, hey, go and tell the king of Israel, Jehoram, go and tell him that there's an attack coming and it's coming like this and it's going to go there and they're going to meet you at this place. And so Israel was always prepared for the attack. Every time the king of Aram went out to make an attack, the prophets already briefed Israel about it and they're ready for the attack. And so the king of Aram says, hang on a minute, who is the mole in this place? Who's the guy that's, who's the person that's giving away our intel? Who's the person who's, who's giving our secrets away? When everyone's looking at each other until somebody goes and does a bit of research and they came back and they said, we've just Googled this and we found out that is his prophet in town. You should know him because we used him later um, before, if you go a few chapters before. This prophet's in town and he keeps giving the king the information. So what do you do when you can't surprise somebody? You send the whole army. If we can't surprise you, we'll just overpower you, right? So the king sets up the idea that let's find out where this prophet is and let's take him out. We're going to go to where we read the account in the book of Kings. It's 2 Kings and it's chapter 6, verse 13. Go and find out where he is the king commanded. So I can send troops to seize him. Go and find out where Elisha is. Go and check it out because I want to go and get him. We're going to get rid of this, this leak. And the report came back. Elisha is at Dothan. Everybody say Dothan. You hate that, don't you? I hate it when people say that. So anyway, so we're going to go to Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround not just his house, but the city. He ain't going to get out of there. We're going to surround the whole city. We're going to trap this guy. He knows we're coming. Let's just make it hard for him to get out. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Don't you hate it when you're hitting a problem and someone says, it's okay, you've got this, right? You're the man for the job, people keep telling me. I keep going, please don't tell me that. It's all right. Yeah, it all works out in the end. Yeah, all things work too good for those that, you've heard that? And doesn't that make you sick? Well, that's what the servant gets to hear. Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, 
he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Let's start at Dothan. Dothan is the place where we find Elisha. Dothan's only mentioned twice in the Bible. Dothan was the place that you may remember a guy called Joseph, right? guy with a nice coloured jacket. And uh, he was actually taken by his brothers and they tried to kill him. So what did they do? They were at Dothan and they threw him down a well. He was trapped. He was betrayed. He was, he was basically left to die. There was no way out. Dothan is symbolic of where many of us find ourselves, in a place where we're trapped. We're a place where we've, we've unfairly been put down this well, unfairly put in this place. We're surrounded. There is no way out. It could be a marriage or it could be a relationship. And I feel like I'm trapped. There's no way out. It could be a business deal that you're in. And you're thinking, I'm going to go bankrupt. There's no way out. When we're caught in that well at Dothan, and everyone in this room has a Dothan. And I want to ask you the question, what's your Dothan? Maybe it's a place where you're feeling like, I can't see how I'm going to get through this. I can't see how we're going to get through to the other side. I can't see how I'm going to get to the end of the year. You see, you know when you're at Dothan because we use words like quit. We hear the words like, I just want to stop. We hear the words like resignation. We hear the words like, it's too hard. Everything's against me. The world is against me. I can't see. If you haven't been in that place, I can tell you, I've been in that place a lot of times. And I've sat in a car and thought, I just want to stop this world. I just want to get off. I want to get off the life right now. It's just too hard. I can't see a way out. I feel trapped. Here we find Joseph in that place of Dothan, feeling trapped. But you have a choice. Do I look at my trap through the eyes of fear or do I look at the trap through the eyes of faith? You see, fear says this. Fear says the problem's too big for my resources. The issue I'm facing is bigger than what I've got. That equals fear. That equals stress. That equals burnout. When the, the issue in front of me is greater than the resources that I have. But you see, there were two people in the room. One person looked at it through the eyes or the lens of fear. When the servant of the man of God got up early in the morning and he went outside, there were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, look at it, underline it. What will we do now? Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. We know that the man was caught in fear because Elisha says, do not be afraid. Fear demobilizes us. Fear stops us from moving. 
When you've got 100,000, I mean, I reckon it was about 100,000, that was the report, about 100,000 troops around your house. Hello, I think I'd be packing my tax as well, right? I don't think I'd be going, whoa, look at that. This is so exciting. It's going to be a good day. I don't think I'd be saying that. I'd be going, oh my goodness, when you wake up in the morning and you've got those bills on the table, when you've got that problem at work, when you're not sure what's going to be told when you get to work that day, when you've got a child, and I've seen this, who's, who's caught up in drugs and alcohol, and you're not sure what's going to happen when they come home, because you're, you're panicking, you're not sure whether a, a policeman's going to knock at the door and say, your child is, is, is dead or in prison. That's a trap. And you can be facing fear with that. And I see that all the time. The odds were against them. Fear can demobilize you. Fear takes your attention, right? It sucks up all your energy because all your energy is focused on that. But why? What was the issue there? Two issues. What will we do? One of the greatest traps is that we rely upon what I've got. One of the greatest traps is we try and do this alone. One of the greatest traps that we find ourselves is we're all reliant upon what I've got, what we can do, and we're not big enough for the problem. Guys are the worst at this, right? Hey, how many guys? We're driving along. I'm lost. My wife's in the car and I'm trying to, I know how to get there, honey. Don't worry. I know how to get Why don't we stop and ask somebody? No, 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 no. I've got this. It's okay. I can work this out. Let's stop and ask the person over there. No, I've got this. Why? Because guys especially, and girls, but mostly guys, have a tendency to be, I'm the hero. I've got to make this work. It's dependent upon me. And I don't want anyone to help me. You've been in a place where you don't want anyone to help you? Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how. Let me fix it. Just let me fix it. Why is suicide higher in guys than it is in women? Because we're trying to do it alone and we don't have to do it alone. We're not supposed to because if you get stuck on your own resources, the problem will be too big. And that's fear. And it's a, that's a recipe for fear. But you see, there was the second person in that house that day. And that's Elisha. And look what Elisha says. Then Elisha... Elisha says, don't be afraid, for there are more out on our side than on theirs. You see, fear, oh no, there's a big army. Faith, oh look, there's a bigger army, right? He came out with a place of faith, not of fear. He put on a different lens. I love this message comment of Charles Spurgeon. He said, the fear of God, which basically means the reverence or the idea of, of how big our God is, the fear of God is the death of every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases all other fears away before it. What a great comment. The, the person of God, if, I'm, if I could actually not focus on the problem but focus on my God, that problem is going to be so small because my God is so big. And the question is, how big is your God? Is your God big enough to overcome those fears? I heard a pastor um, say, and I said it before, fear says something that has happened, something that hasn't happened yet is going to happen. Faith says something that hasn't happened is going to happen. And a great example of this is this. 
my favourite story in the Bible, David and Goliath. Right. And, and there's the people of Israel. They were the biggest army in the world. They, they actually had more resources than anybody else. And the Philistines are attacking them and they didn't have anywhere near as much. They said, I'll tell you what, let's do a deal here. Right. Let's do a deal. Let's, you said out your best guy. We'll sit out our best guy. They have a fight. Whoever wins, wins the battle. Right. OK, good. King Saul is the biggest guy. He says his head and shoulders above everybody else. He's got a big, big armour, right? And, and they said, not a problem. We've got a big king. Focusing on me. But they brought out Goliath. Oh, my goodness, he's bigger than our king. He is big. He is really big. What happened? King Saul takes off his armour. He's given up. Right? It's on the ground. And David, little David, a shepherd boy, he comes along and he hears this noise. And his knees knocking. And he's coming in and he can hear the knees knocking of fear. This, this giant's too big for us. And David said, are you joking? Are you looking at yourself? You're looking through the lenses of fear. Because that problem has put you in that place of fear. Let me tell you, my God's bigger than that. My God's bigger than that giant, that, that giant. My God's bigger than the Goliath you're facing. My God's bigger than your sickness. My God's bigger than your financial issue. My God's bigger. We need to tell the world our God is bigger than all the stuff the world's worried about right now. Because especially in the West, we are caught up in depression. And we need to say, my God is bigger than that. He's a big God. He's a huge God. We need to, people of God, we are the ones who've got the lens of faith and we need to start wearing it in society and not wearing, oh no, if this vote goes through, this is going to happen. Or if it doesn't go through, this is going to happen. Or, or if, if that, you know, the, we've, we've got so caught up with fear about our government and fear about society and it's creeped into the church, but we need to be standing up and going, no, we've got a lens of faith. How dare our country shake at the Goliaths of society? We've actually got a God that's bigger than that. And we're going to bring out our little stones and we're going to throw them because our God is a big, big God. Hebrews 6, 11, 6 says this, And it is impossible to please God without faith. You can't please God in fear, but you can please him if you step out in faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Faith is brought out in your belief of who he is and your desire to seek him. Jesus was, uh, his, his good mate Lazarus is dead and he's in a tomb. And uh, it's four days now, which they thought Jesus was late, but he wasn't. He was exactly on time because he had to be dead for four days for Jesus to prove that he was the Messiah. So he was on time. Jesus turns up. Everyone's crying. Everyone's getting ready for the big funeral. And Jesus comes to the tomb, and this is what he says. Jesus responded. He's at the tomb. He's about to get Lazarus out of the tomb. He says, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? Do you believe in a big God? Because if you do, you'll see his glory. Do you believe that, that God is bigger than your problems? Because if you do, you'll see his glory. You'll see his results. Believe and you'll see his glory. 
But you turn your eyes of belief onto the problem, you won't see his glory. You'll just see the problem. And it will trap you and it will draw you down. Put on the lens of faith. Change your lens and change your... your, Sorry, the size of your God will shape the size of your problem. The size of your God will shape the size of your issue. The size of your God will shape the size of your bank account. The size of your God will, will shape the size of your sickness. How big is your God? Change your lens, change your company. In closing, I want to give you some ideas. You want to change your lens? Change your company. Look what it says here. 617, then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses. You know, to change, it's not easy to change your lens. It's not easy to get out of that that hole. It's not easy to get out of that pit. It's not easy to get out of Dothan. It's not easy because you're caught up in it. It's, It's consuming your life. But if you've got another person alongside you who's got a different set of lenses on, they can see for you. They can tell you what you can't see. Who are you hanging around with? Who's speaking into your issue? When you go to somebody, you go, oh, I've got this and I've got that. I said, oh, don't worry, mate. You can fix it. It's going to be all right. That's not the lens I want. I want the lens of someone telling me, oh, I heard someone else had that same problem and God changed it. The power of that testimony will change my glasses. The power of somebody's story will change my glasses. Don't tell me I can fix it. Tell me that God can fix it. Help me see the army around me, not the army within me, because the army within me is going to lose at Dothan, but the army around me is going to win. And we need people around us. That's why you come to church. That's why we sing worship. Oh, why do we sing worship? Because worship reminds me when I sing to a God, when I speak Jesus over my family, Jesus over my, my workplace, Jesus over my, fans, my finances. I speak Jesus, a great worship song. We need to sing it out. I'm going to shout to the Lord how great they are. I don't care what era of song you've been singing, but when we sing it, it brings us up and it changes our glasses and we see that he is a way maker a miracle worker, a promise keeper. I need to hear that. I need people to tell me that. I need to be in an environment like church every Sunday. This is not an optional extra. This is important. I need to be there every Sunday because I need people around me to tell me there's a God and he's big and helps me change my glasses. But it's also spiritual. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Can I suggest to you that the Spirit of God wants to open our eyes, but you won't open your eyes while you're stuck in a well at Dothan? You won't. You need to ask God, God, open my eyes. Help me see what I can't see. Jesus loved to open people's eyes. Can I tell you 
quick story. I've run out of time, right? Oh, I have. Negative four. Hey, I could tell you a quick story. This is a true story. Young girl comes to our centre down at Esperance and she was angry. She was caught in a pit. She hated herself. She hated the world. She just was using drugs and alcohol just to cover it up and she didn't want to talk to anybody and we're a strong Christian program and she, she would come and she would just sit there and she didn't want to talk about anything. She hated God. She hated the world. She was had these lenses of fear and anger on. So one day she's sitting in a, in a meeting, one of our worship meetings. We have a devotion every morning. And we had a visiting speaker. He was a guy who was from a Lutheran church. And doesn't move in the spirit. Well, he does move in the spirit. He just wouldn't say that. And he's there and he says, says to this girl, oh, I just got to say this to you. I don't know why. This is prompting. I got to say this to you. And he started to say, look, God is saying blah, blah, blah. And he actually started to tell her things that no one else knew. And let me tell you, when he started to tell her things that no one else knew except for her, all of a sudden her lenses came off and she started to see a God. And no joke, her eyes lit up. And there's still a light today. Because you see the lens of faith turns it around. And you see God differently. Would you pray, God, open my eyes that I might see. Holy Spirit, open my eyes. I want to see where you're in this. Open my eyes to see a big God. Open my eyes to see a God that can take me out of the pit. And there's people in your community, people in your sphere of influence that need you to have the eyes of faith for them. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this truth. God, I pray that you would help us to put on those eyes, those lenses of faith that we would see a mighty God, a big God that would just rise us up over the issue, that we know that you are the healer, you are the miracle maker, you are the way maker, you are the one that can change us. May we stir each other on to love and good works through the lens of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.